Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. For today's episode, this is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. And we're going to have another post-game pod after this one, Frank. Uh, the Bucks get the win, 118-115 to 115 in overtime. I just said to you before we started recording, this was... Not the likely route to victory that I would have guessed pregame. Obviously, we know Giannis goes down in the second quarter. We can get to that. But I think we need to start this podcast talking about Chris Middleton. And it's funny, Frank, because I messaged you yesterday and I said, you know, I don't think that we've had a podcast that has got more, um, that we've got more positive comments about than the one we had after game three, where it was complete doom and gloom. We were both you know, feeling a little bit depressed about this team and the way things have gone. And we were just really honest. And we, we you know, just spoke about where the team was at. And then, you, obviously, you know, no team has come back from a 3-0 deficit. But the overwhelming emotion that I had watching this game, I, I, was, I, was, I was proud. I was proud of Chris Milton. I was proud of the guys and the way that they fought when they could have easily given up when Giannis goes down in the second quarter. But they went the whole way. They found themselves down eight with just a few minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and they just found a way to win. And this was all about Chris Milton. He plays 47 minutes and 59 seconds in this game. That's the most he's played in a game since the playoffs in 2015. He had 30 points in the second half and overtime. It was an incredible performance, and, and I was just really happy for Chris Milton, a guy that gets criticized a lot for not being the guy that can step up. And to do this on the national stage, on national TV, in a playoff game when the season was on the line. Uh, uh, I got a lot of satisfaction out of this one. Yeah, I mean, look, as, as we talk about this game, I think, you know, it should be clear, you know, winning this game obviously doesn't undo uh, the disappointment of, of the last three games before this and the broader issues that this team and this franchise are going to have to, you know, confront over the summer because no, I, I still don't think they're going to win this series, but, uh, but you're, you're totally right. I mean, you know, watching that game and, and especially there in overtime, um, Chris hitting that huge three uh, to put them up four, and then, you know, uh, hitting the free throws to kind of seal it. Um, you know, we're, we're fans of this team. Um, you know, we don't, well, you, you actually obviously have gotten to, to know some of these players. Most of us obviously have no, you know, we don't have any relationship with the players directly, right? It, it's, it's something we build from watching them, from trying to understand what they're like um, and investing our time and, and emotional energy into, into a team over the years. And, um, you know, I think this is a team of, of people that I think you want to root for and I think that's part of what has made, you know, the, 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 the first three games so disappointing is that, you know, you genuinely really like this team and these guys 
And to see them obviously not able to live up to the expectations has been very disappointing. But to see them battle back from, you know, uh, an early deficit, right? I mean, Miami making shots early, Bucks missing everything early, other than Giannis being able to get some stuff going. Um, Chris, only six points in the first half, explodes in the third quarter, um, doesn't score in the fourth quarter, but his playmaking, Brooke Lopez making plays, other guys making shots. Um, you know, the character that, that we saw, they could have they could have thrown in the towel at multiple points in the fourth quarter when things looked like they were slipping away and, uh, and they didn't. And I think, you know, just watching, um, watching some of those big shots and big plays and seeing this team come away with, with the win that, you know, literally went down to the last second of, of overtime. Um, yeah, I think pride is a good word for it. Just, you know, just a sense of feeling a bit of relief, just feeling good for, um, these players that we've obviously, you know, invested so much in, um, over, you know, in Chris's case, you know, eight years, I guess, no, seven years. He's in his eighth year, but seventh year with the Bucks. Um, yeah, I think you just have to feel, feel good. Just, you know, being able to, again, maybe it's not something that is going to translate into the ultimate goal of winning a championship this year, but, um, it felt good to just see the monkey bucks win a basketball game, (laughs) you know, like, uh, the first round was such a weird feeling because, you know, they lose the first game and then the other games, like, you know, you, you almost can't even, you don't even feel like you can really celebrate these double digit wins because there's so much like obligation to winning them. Um, so it was, it was, you know, a different kind of feeling today, obviously knowing you're down to three, nothing that, um, you know, and, and obviously not feeling like there, there's a lot of hope in the series, but, but yeah, just, um, I think just these guys just showing up and, um, and playing to that final whistle and living up to all those cliches, you know, that they, that we always talk about. Um, I think you just had to feel really good. And, you know, again, for a team that, um, you know, so much of what the next, you know, well, I guess maybe not 12 months, cause, uh, depending on when next season starts, but you know, the next season's worth this, this off season, the next season, I anticipate it's going to be, you know, just as fans and for the players too, probably like pretty terrible having to hear the constant speculation over Giannis and no matter how good they are next year, um, you know, the questions that are going to follow them. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think you just had to feel good for what they were able to do today and to be able to say, Hey, you know, we lose Giannis on a night when he was doing everything. Um, he came out looking the best he's looked probably in the play and maybe in the entire playoffs. Um, certainly against the it's starting against the heat and to respond. Um, and Chris Middleton leading the charge, Brooke Lopez really so smart, low start, but he, him making a bunch of shots um, to see that those guys step up and show that they can win a game without Giannis. And as all the shit that, you know, they get from the national media in particular about, you know, not being the supporting cast, befitting of a superstar of Giannis's caliber to show that they could go out and claw to win and Chris Middleton playing like a stud, you know, in, in the second half and overtime. Um, yeah, you just got to feel really good for, for that group. And I would say Chris in particular, obviously we've been people that have supported Chris and, you know, when, when obviously a, a year ago and a lot of people were questioning whether he was going to be worth resigning and all that had a terrific season and to see him, you know, um, play really well the series in general, you know, in spite of obviously the team's broader struggles, obviously Chris hasn't been perfect by any stretch, but 
um, for him to step up with his biggest performance of the playoffs um, when it mattered most there in overtime. I thought that was just um, just a really great thing to see. And again, I mean, as fans, you know, we want championships, we want all that stuff, but there's something just sort of pure about just, you know, watching your team go out in those moments of making big shots and coming away with a win. And so hopefully people enjoyed it, even if obviously we have to keep it in the context of um, a very problematic series, which will remain very problematic here as the Bucks uh, go into game five, still down three, one, no, you know, no idea if Giannis is going to play, you know, well, we can talk a little bit about that later, but, um, but yeah, I think just uh, Chris and, and the rest of these guys, you just had to feel good for them that they were able to, to hopefully, you know, prove some people wrong today and remind people, of, you know, what made this team great. It's, it wasn't just Giannis this year. All right, Frank. One thing I like just as much as basketball is eating. And our friends over at DoorDash are able to help me out, particularly with these crazy game times. Another day game today. Don't get me started on that. Because between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. If you want Chinese, you want pizza, if you're craving some Froyo, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and of course, beautiful Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Of course, We've got a good deal for you right now. Our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery freeze on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Yeah, one of the things I loved in the post game was the Twitter reaction. I think from Bucks fans because yeah, it, it's been a frustrating, not just week. It's been a frustrating probably six weeks just with the inconsistent level of play. With probably the realization that this team is just not the same, or they're just not playing the same. So to see that there was a lot of enjoyment taken from this win was really cool. And I think it's because of what you spoke about, the way that they went about it today, the way they were able to win that game. It's just very endearing. And it just, it just reminds you that this is a group that has provided so much entertainment over the last two years. The thing I'll say about Chris Milton, and, and we spoke about this uh, for an extended period in the last pod um, uh, after game three, when you talk about what Miami defense is doing, and the fact that uh, there probably just isn't enough players, this comes back to Draymond Green's comment, there isn't enough players that the opposition respect defensively. Well, Chris Milton isn't in that category. And this has been one thing I've always said about Chris because when the argument comes up that he's not a true number two or he's not a true all-star, I've always said, well, you can have that belief, but I, I can tell you that on a nightly basis, the opposition tr- thinks of him like an all-star and they defend him like an all-star. And, and I thought that that, for me, for Chris Milton to stand up, and everyone's always said, and we've said it, and he's not your traditional bucket getter. He's not a Jimmy Butler. He's not this type of player. And we always talk about who's that guy that Giannis is going to need next to him. And Chris isn't your textbook guy. But today, for him again, I'm sure a lot of people would have watched that and said, what the? I didn't even know what I'm watching. I didn't know this guy was capable of this. But the Bucks went into offensive sets, offensive structure that we just haven't seen. And it was Chris Milton literally saying, 
give me the ball. And I know that Jay Crowder is going to be defending me. I know Jimmy Butler is going to be defending me. I know they're going to come at me with double teams almost in every possession. But give me the damn ball. And we're either going to win or we're going to lose and it's going to go through me. And I'm either going to make a tough shot or I'm going to make the right pass and get it to someone in a better position. And, and I, I, just, I just got so much respect for the performance. We, we spoke about the 30 points, uh, but he also had the eight assists, as you mentioned. I, I thought he was consistently making really good decisions. And uh, I, you tweeted it, Frank, and, and I was thinking the exact same thing when I was at home because the real shame was that he had 21 points in the third quarter and he just was was really willing the box into this game but he went very cold down the stretch and he couldn't knock down a shot and he was struggling to get that finish now Dante DiVincenzo we can talk about him uh, he does miss the one free throw with 1.9 seconds left I was sitting there thinking oh my goodness this is this is going to be a disastrous way for the season to end I felt really bad for him he's under yeah. all this pressure I, yeah. I, I just, I was like, I really don't want the season to end this way and I don't want Dante to have this experience. But he was clutch. He knocked it down. They get to overtime. And then... <laughs> well, let's, let, splitting, splitting free throws is not clutch, but I agree. The pressure that moment, after though. missing that first... Uh, yeah, after, after missing the first free throw and you're down one and well, it was 1.9 left, I think, at that point. Um, I mean, for a guy who obviously has had his struggles here in the last six weeks, um, and who has not been a great free throw shooter anyway. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was really worried about him. I could hundred percent agree. And when he hit that, I was extremely relieved if only for, for him that, you know, he wouldn't have to carry into the off season that, oh yeah, by the way, you, you could have won a playoff game and instead your team got eliminated because you couldn't make a free throw. So yeah, it was, it, it was, it was a pressure situation for, for those of us at home, as well as obviously first and foremost, Dante having to sit there in that moment. Well, when I say clutch, and I'm glad that you, you called that out because I tweeted that, that I thought that I, I was, you know, I was impressed with the fact that he could settle and knock down that free throw. When I say that, I'm completely separating the, the two apart. Right. Because, yes, yeah. he missed the first one, and, and I get it because I had everyone in the comments going, well, it's his job. He missed the first one. It's like, yeah, I get it. But once you get into that situation and you miss the first one to settle yourself, I think is, is very, very impressive. Uh, and this wasn't just a, a clutch free throw to win a game. It was to save the season, as we know. So, you know, to go back and knock it down was impressive. But uh, the point I was getting to, it was the Washington game, Frank. And you brought it yeah. up now. Washington in the regular season, a terrible Washington team. He's not Miami in game four with his season on the line. But it was very similar. Chris looked like he had nothing in the tank. And then in overtime, he, he just hits big shot after big shot once again. Yeah, and and that game also had the similarity of Giannis uh, fouls out. Yeah. The, the Mo Wagner part one game uh, in that <laughs> case. Um, and Chris was dueling with Bradley Beal for the second time. What Beal had over 50, I think, in that game. Chris has 40, and uh, as you said, it looked like Chris was running out of gas, missing shots, and then uh, he comes back and, and hits some big ones in overtime, and that was the only other time he's gone over 40 minutes this season. Um, so uh, for him, you know, the, the game after we hear Bud say that, you know, 35-36 is, is this, the ceiling, right, quote-unquote ceiling on how much he wants to play them um, to come back, and, and obviously, you know, Chris was at 43 minutes even before the overtime. I believe he played, I think he was at around 19 minutes uh, at halftime. I remember checking. So I, I don't know if he played, I, I think he might've played the entire second half or if not, he Eight got seconds. one. Yeah. One very, very short rest in the second half. And uh, you know, it, it kind of looked like it, you know, down the stretch there, he missed some shots and, you know, I, I would say the big, 
the thing that um, carried over from the Orlando series in a negative way, his finishing near the basket has been really poor going back to the Orlando series. And he missed, you know, a couple short shots and then, a, I mean, a, a layup. I mean, it was contested, but um, he missed a layup there in the last couple of minutes of regulation that, you know, again, should have given the Bucks some, I think the Bucks were winning at that point. Um, or it was, I can't remember if they were up to or what it was at that point, but, um, but yeah, it, it was tough. Cause again, you know, you just feel like, oh man, you know, Chris has this monster third quarter and then, uh, and then, you know, he's got the ball in his hands here with some big possessions late and he just can't pay him off. So, um, obviously you're, you know, feel very thankful that, that he was able to get, uh, another, another shot at it in overtime and he hits three out of five. I think he was nine out of 17. Then he was 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter, and then he goes 3 out of 5 in overtime, 9 points. Um, and uh, obviously just, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he was the guy today. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, Chris is one of those guys, like, you know, I mean, he's, he's been oddly polarizing for Bucks fans. And obviously for the national audience, um, he's still a guy that, you know, people are not necessarily going to think of as – you know, probably as being as good as he actually is just because he, you know, again, he doesn't have that sexy explosive game. He's not a former high pick. And, uh, and obviously, you know, he's had some very good playoff series. He's had uh, like the Raptor series last year, obviously he struggled to really get going in that series. Um, so yeah, it was just great to see that for him. And he's had a, you know, overall a, a strong series, especially after obviously the struggles early in, in the Orlando series. So, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to need to, you know, come, come Tuesday, I guess, uh, you know, they're going to need another big game from him yet again, because um, certainly uh, he was the straw that really stirred the drink today. And, you know, I will say this, I think um, I would have liked to see a little more creativity, you know, uh, I, I wish they could have gotten Brooke Lopez involved more at times. Um, but you know, part of the challenge was, and Brooke, you know, Brooke had what, like two points. Did he have two points going into the fourth quarter? Something like that. Um, he, you know, he ended up making some, some shots um, in the fourth and he had what the, the couple of free throws, I think in overtime on that bad bam out of biofile. I think that was, I think that was an overtime. My, my brain might be getting screwed up, but, um, but he, he was a guy that I think, you know, part of the problem with, with, you know, trying to like run pick and rolls with Brooke is, you know, if they switch bam, in a pick and roll, you know, you're, it's not, it's not ideal because obviously Chris can't just, you know, easily take bam off the dribble. Um, but you know, could you then try to post broke or something like that? I mean, I, I think that's something that at least you'd want to look at. Um, we saw him, he did hit a, a pretty important little hook shot in the lane, uh, in, in the late in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, he can still do that stuff, which, you know, again, if you're talking about just like posting somebody up, you know, probably Chris, obviously is up there, but, but Brooke as well. I mean, especially if teams are not doubling him, he's obviously just still just so good with his touch uh, around the basket. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, these games have all been emotionally draining in their own ways. Um, you know, game two, just the way that they lost that game with the foul calls uh, game three, uh, just, just blowing the lead the way they did and just completely collapsing. And then this game, obviously, also draining. But fortunately, um, hopefully, people felt like they they still had something left in the tank there at the end as fans, because uh, obviously, this game we finally got the the end result that that obviously you know the Bucks needed earlier in the in the series. Finally, they got it today. Um, 
so I, I don't know. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. I mean, I think there's still some, I think, tactical stuff that's probably worth worth discussing as far as rotating. You know, obviously you mentioned Chris getting that big run. Um, Brooke also playing 40-plus minutes, uh, although Brooke played 38 minutes last game as well. So ironically, his minutes have, have not been as controlled as others. Well, all the talk post-game was about recovery. We've spoke about Chris Middleton's minutes in this game. But uh, I tell you what, he might need to get stuck into the built bars, Frank, because the new and improved built bar is back and better than ever. They have 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors that include cookies and cream, caramel brownie, carrot cake, apple almond crisp to go along with the 12 original flavors, including raspberry German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel. I could keep going on and on. We know built bars are great. For the health-conscious guy, loser, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And you know we've got a great deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Please don't miss out on the free cooler with purchase while supplies last. That's BuiltBar.com. Use the code LOCKEDON for $10 off. One of the things I did want to talk about because I think it was the good and the bad of Eric Bledsoe in this game. I do think the good yeah. heavily outweighed the bad. I know the shot selection is is frustrating. And, and one of the things I commented on through the game is that just the difference between the two teams, and this comes back to execution, the different sets that they're running once again, it does just feel that Miami never, ever take a bad shot, like ever. You know? And they're just able to get guys in good spots in locations that, that work for them, whether it's a three, whether it's a pick and roll, getting downhill with Dragic, Bam Adebayo, who was a monster in this game. They just look like their offense is just much better, the way, it, the way it functions. And it's frustrating to watch at times. And Eric Bledsoe goes 0 for 6 from 3. A lot of those were shots you would not recommend at home. And he was actually 6 for 7 from two-point territory. And I think that's the frustration with, with Bledsoe. I thought he was really good, though. And I, I thought that right from the outset... You could see that he was diving on the floor. He was scrapping. He was putting everything into that game. And again, you know, and it, they obviously had to win. They had to be desperate. But I think it ramped up again once Giannis went down. He finished with uh, 14 points, 10 rebounds, uh, six assists as well. I thought he was really, really important. But I thought the big thing, the big adjustment that we saw or the, or the big thing that Bud went to defensively, Eric Bledsoe had some really, really important moments in the fourth quarter on Jimmy Butler. And mm-hmm. we, we've spoke about Wesley Matthews. And I said that I, it was unbelievable to me that they, they made the same mistake that they did in game one by not putting Wesley Matthews on the floor on Jimmy Butler. Today, the Wesley Matthews minutes didn't go well. Again, it's a funny plus minus thing on the box score here. But Wesley Matthews, 24 minutes, is minus 25 uh, in that stretch. But didn't really go to him down the stretch at all. There was a lot of Eric Bledsoe, a lot of George Hill, who actually played 36 minutes alongside Bledsoe's 39. But we saw that we did see the physicality of Bledsoe. I thought defensively, there was a number of times where Butler, it looked like he was feeling really comfortable. And he's like, oh, you want to put, you want to put Bledsoe on me? Okay, I'll take this guy. And he wasn't able to. And this again was Eric Bledsoe at his, at his defensive best in terms of just being a physical I mean, you look at the size of the guy. This isn't your typical six foot two, six foot three point guard. And I just thought he made life difficult on Jimmy down the stretch in the opportunities that he was trying to take over yet another game and end this series. Yeah, I was struck by that as well. I mean, again, am I comfortable running that back and putting Bledsoe on on Jimmy repeat, <laughs> repeatedly? Right. Yeah. Uh, 
late in another fourth quarter, uh, I'm probably going to say no to that. I'm, I'm, I would say I'm generally not terribly comfortable with that, but, you know, give Brett, Brett a lot of credit. He was plus 13 today. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, again, there was still some of the stuff that, that drives you nuts. I mean, four turnovers and, you know, some early clock jump shots um, that, again, those are the things that you just wish you could just excise from his game. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the big takeaways for me from the series is just, you know, I, I just don't know that you can go another season um, with Bled as your starting point guard, just given the shooting stuff and just, uh, you know, in, in these, in these playoff scenarios, just not having a lead guard um, who is like an off the dribble or, or even just stand still uh, reliable three point shooter. So that, that's kind of a discussion for another day, but, um, but yeah, you do have to give him credit. I mean, I thought he, his ability to get to the to the rim, you know, the sixth out of seven, I think that obviously caused problems. He put some pressure on Dragic uh, defensively in a way that, you know, obviously you, you need to do. Um, and Dragic, who obviously has been a killer in this series, uh, he ends up just five out of 17 today, one out of nine from three. Um, you know, again, like Dragic missing threes, like is that Bledsoe's defense? I think obviously there's just some, probably some good luck in there as well. But 17 points on 17 shots. Um, you obviously feel good for a change on how they defended Dragic because certainly his, his, especially him in the pick and roll, you know, him and Adebayo, I mean, they just have not had answers for that. And, and you mentioned Bam. Bam was, uh, was tremendous. I mean, 10 out of 13 from the field, uh, 26 points. I mean, he was not a good mid-range shooter this year. And for some reason, he just <laughs> is not missing. Every mid-range jump shot is going in. He's not missing any free throws. He was six out of six today. I think he was high 60s on the season. Um you know, just his work on the offensive glass as well. Officially only four offensive rebounds. Um, you know, the Heat were, I think, had a 28% offensive rebound rate, which is, again, um, much worse than the Bucks normally get. Probably not surprising when in a game where you're losing, you know, Giannis and you're playing smaller than you normally would. Um, but he has been, you know, I I mean, you might, you, I mean, obviously Jimmy's the guy that's going to get the headlines, but um, I mean, if I was going to pick who's been the MVP of the series, uh, for for the Heat, um, I I probably start with Bam. Um, he's just been so good, and it's not it's not because he's like just you know individually like a Giannis stopper, right? I mean, he's been part of that defense that has done well against Giannis, but I think just offensively, his distribution and and just now his shot making these last couple of games has been really impressive. And just how many times have they fouled him? You know, trying to keep him off the glass like multiple bucks, right? It's it's been a big problem for the Bucks, the, the defensive rebounding that's been such a staple of their, uh, their, you know, defense all year has just, uh, has just not been there. So, um, so yeah, it, it, just, just an interesting, uh, and, you know, some interesting matchups, obviously that, that, that we've been seeing. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw some commentary about how oh, this was, you know, the best, the best performance by the supporting cast for the Bucks this, this, you know, in a certain, this series. And yeah, but I mean, by the same token, I mean, Chris has generally been pretty good in the series. He was great today. Brooke, I mean, this is by far his worst offensive game of the series, I guess, right? 14 points on 11 shots, but he, he did kind of come around as the game went on. Um, and beyond that, you mentioned Bled, obviously not a, not a perfect night by any stretch. Um, but George Hill, I mean, 12 points on 11 shots. You know, he was, he was good. He had hit some big threes, uh, especially when the Bucks were sort of uh, in danger of losing kind of touching distance. With the Heat, he actually made some threes, which was an issue for the Bucks today. The shooting, uh, they started off really poorly shooting. They end up 11 out of 35, which is obviously nothing to write home about. But Hill making some threes, especially just, there were some long threes too. 
Um, he had a couple of them. Two was two out of five, and both of them came kind of in short succession at a at a pretty crucial time. Um, you know, I thought he was he was generally good. And you know, Dante DiVincenzo has had a couple of games in a row now where he's actually made some shots, um, which is is obviously very important for him. You know, Ten points on seven shots, twenty seven minutes. You know, again, is is that tremendous? No, but you know, he kind of went out there, did Dante stuff, had a block, had a steal, a couple of assists, plus twenty two in those twenty seven minutes. And I think. You know, as we think about the rotation, I mean, Pat Connaughton, man, Pat is just, it is a struggle right now for Pat. Um, he's not making shots. And more concerningly, I mean, he he lost contact. He sort of lost connection with Duncan Robinson on a couple of plays early in that fourth quarter when Robinson started to go off. And you just can't afford it. You, you, you have to be so perfect defensively chasing uh, Duncan Robinson. and. Uh, you know, when you just talk about the rotation right now, you know, who do you want on the court? Um, I mean, it's extra tough with Giannis being hurt. But uh, again, I mean, you trust George Hill. Uh, Dante has has re-earned, I would say, his minutes um, from what we've seen, the energy, some of the stuff. He had a steal and a, and a take today. Um, you know, he's had some actually creative finishes, drives and finishes, which has been a welcome sight. Um, so I think Dante's in there and, and Marvin's in there. But other than that, um, you know, and George, obviously, um, but, but other than that, you know, not, not a lot of trust um, for, for guys coming off the bench right now. I mean, you've got basically three guys that, uh, that I think you're, you know, willing to kind of roll with. So, um, so I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how that, you know, if, if, if we finally see Connaughton just cut out of the rotation entirely here because he's just, you know, had made some shots against Orlando for sure, which was nice to see, but just, just, it has not been here at all, um, against the heat. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I have some other thoughts on some other, uh, kind of tactical stuff we saw today, but anything else you want to say on that? Uh, the only thing I was going to throw at you, cause I was thinking this during the game as I was watching the Pat Connaughton minutes again. And, you know, b- particularly as soon as the Bucks got this game, because, you know, we, we speak and we're pretty, <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to be honest about this. They're still down 3-1. It's still never been done before coming back from this uh, this deficit. If Giannis doesn't play in game five, there is still going to be a huge minutes void in this rotation. So even if you only go eight or seven or eight guys, Pat Conan is probably going to be in this mix. When I look at the fact that he's not shooting the ball well, defensively, he's all over the shop right now. He can't actually create anything with the ball in hand either. So I, I was honestly just thinking, if you're going to have a guy in there that you just need to play a few minutes and you hope that he can give you something defensively, uh, they're kind of different positions, kind of, but they're going to be defending the same guys. If you need an extra body out there, I, I, would, I would honestly just consider playing DJ Wilson. Is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? No, I mean, DJ is not a great rebounder, but um, just, just uh, another body that has some length and can you know, guard multiple positions mm-hmm. in at least for like these short bursts. Um, I mean, the obvious guy, a couple of people asked me about, you know, giving Sterling some run. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, that, that would be the most like for like guy. Um, obviously, you know, Pat has issues with, with fouling on the perimeter. Sterling has fouling issues as well. Can um, I just say, can I just jump in? I don't know if this was something that you were as frustrated as at me about. It was just before halftime, I believe, if I've got my timing right, like you, all this is blurred together. But Bud took... Bledsoe out of the game for a defensive possession and on that exact defensive possession that was where Pat fouled 
the the heat player on on a three pointer. And again, as you sort of said, running around those those dribble handoffs, running around those screens, he's just unable to hold himself back, and he's failed jump shooters a lot. I just that was just a moment in the game that I was just really really frustrated watching that substitution pattern. I know we spoke about it a lot. Bledsoe had two fouls before halftime, but there was less than a minute, fewer than sixty seconds left in the half. Just keep him in there. Just keep him in there. Don't put the Bucks in that position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the interesting dynamic is, um, you know, the Heat. You know, when you talk about like, what do you put in somebody like DJ? Um, you know, you think about who you have to guard from the Heat. I mean, Bam is the only guy who ever plays like really like a big player. Um, with the exception of like, you could argue maybe Jimmy Butler does a little bit, right? Um, everybody else, uh, you know, Kelly Olynyk. obviously he's p- playing like a perimeter player. Um, you know, Jay Crowder obviously is not taking anybody on the block. I mean, he's just been shooting the lights out I and mean, he was what, six out of 12 today. I mean, he was tremendous. Um, he was five out of seven at one point. I think he finished one out of five to finish the game, thankfully. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't have a lot of guys who play in a way that would exploit smaller players in maybe like a one-on-one perspective, but you know, if you're playing without Giannis, and we can talk, probably talk more about that in a moment, you know, what the prognosis, well, you know, again, at this point, it's just speculation. But um, but if you don't have Giannis, uh, you know, you've got Brooke and you've got Marvin, what else are you doing there? Are you just playing super small? Is Chris playing a lot of four? You know, how do you m- manage it? Um, and it? And it's tough. I think, you know, if the Heat, if Bam and company were not hurting the Bucks so much on the defensive glass, I think you probably would be less worried um, about just, going, you know, staying small. Um, but, but I don't know. I mean, it scares me to think that, you know, DJ would actually be a guy that you, you know, really want to throw in the mix. Um, Cause he obviously offensively doesn't add much of anything. Right. I mean, he's obviously startled for consistency, shoot, you know, as a shooter, obviously, you know, Bud trusts Urson more offensively than, than a guy like DJ. So it's really a question of what are you trying to get? Right. And, you know, Sterling again, can you park him in the corner? Can he hit a three? can he attack close out and maybe, you know, get a finish or something like that? Like maybe, but, but again, it's just tough because Sterling's been, has been so disappointing this season. Right. I mean, um, you know, he's the most like for like guy to throw in there ahead of Pat, but um, you know, you've got months and months and months of basketball that suggests that, you know, Sterling's not, not a guy who's going to necessarily solve any problems for you. So, um, so yeah, if you're missing Giannis, you are in a, a tough spot. Um, but uh you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you really, you really want to put in high, high IQ players and obviously, you know, there, there isn't necessarily an obvious guy. I mean, Kyle Korver is a high IQ player, but he's not, he obviously is not going to solve any defensive problems. Um, if, uh, if you have to play him longer minutes, so you have to be really careful about how you're, how you're using Kyle. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's going to be, going to be interesting to watch. I think, um, some stuff I noticed today, I mean, um, I think they went under some Jimmy pick and yeah. rolls today. Um, I don't know if that really, I don't know if that actually like really worked <laughs> per se. Uh, you know, he, he's actually made some jump shots, um, in this series, which has been unfortunate because he really didn't make any jump shots all season. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of one of those obvious things to do is to not let them, you know, not always go over those screens because then they start going downhill and you got bam rolling. So, I mean, I support continuing to try that. I mean, if nothing else, just give, give some different looks. Um, but, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of that. 
Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else we saw. Again, we talked about sort of the stagnation offensively um, with just everything being kind of crisp and a cloud of dust to end the game. Um, You know, again, I would like to see, I would like to see you try to use Brooke Lopez a bit more, um, a bit more proactively. You know, he's obviously had a very good series tonight, made some, definitely made some plays in the second half, um, which, which I, I think you need to see more of. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything else really kind of obvious that, that jumped out. Um, anything else you want to talk about that or, or otherwise you want to jump to Giannis? Yeah, we can, we can talk about Giannis. I mean, again, for mine, it, there's always been one number that stood out, uh, in this series so far and you already pointed to it, but again, they, they do have to find a way to somehow uh, keep Bam off the glass. Second chance points has been an issue for the Bucks all series and uh, I, I think I tweeted it but yeah it feels like it's a it's an absolute rule every time they get an offensive rebound it has to end in a three-pointer and it nearly got them again in late in the fourth quarter an offensive rebound went out to Tyler Hero he knocks down the three uh, it, it felt fitting I thought that was the way they were going to go down obviously they get it to overtime but 20 second chance points for Miami is too much so that's an easy one that they just simply need to clean up and you spoke a little bit about the pick-and-roll coverages, certainly with Jimmy. I mean, you just can't let him get comfortable. If he's going to beat you shooting jump shots, well, you know, <laughs> you kind of live with it. I mean, he hasn't made them all season long, as you pointed to. But as far as Giannis goes, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting in this game. And we don't know what's going to happen with him. Clearly, he looked sore uh, after the incident, very sore walking back to the locker room. We saw him in the locker room after the game and he was standing. He wasn't on crutches or anything like that. We know he's been legitimately a freak when it comes to responding from injuries like this. I mean, the amount of ankle turns he's had, the amount of times he's gone down and recovered, it's just insane. Two in a couple of days here with only one day in between. This is potentially when the compressed schedule of the playoffs comes back to bite you. Uh, the Bucks, I think, almost got jolted into action today when Giannis went down because as you pointed to before that he had 19 points and literally no one else could make a single shot uh, so it was kind of thrown back at them and they got rolling maybe that's a good thing for them moving forward uh, having that confidence but uh, we're under no illusions here Frank they need Giannis if they want to uh, get back into this thing at all yeah and I mean I think again the, the heat obviously um, I mean they know what the Bucks like to do when they're um, when they're not you know with Giannis out there I mean everybody knows they, they become Middleton centric but um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's some adjustments and things that they might do differently if they know that Giannis isn't going to play from the start. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting dynamic. I think, you know, the, the supporting cast was terrible up until the point Giannis got hurt. And, uh, you know, it, it was like that jolt to, to kind of maybe rouse them into, uh, rouse them out of their slumber a bit. Um, so ideally, you know, he... <laughs> Ideally, he's able to go somehow, and then those guys step up like that from the start. Uh, but but we're going to have to see. So, um, yeah, I mean, my my reaction, I I mean, I don't, you know, he's as you mentioned, he's turned his ankle a bunch of times. He's missed, you know, games before due to ankle injuries. Um, he's never had, you know, like a long term ankle injury. Um, but you know, just watching the way he reacted, um, I mean, my my first concern was, did he, you know hurt is I, I, there was a part of me that kind of thought what was concerned maybe you know did he just hurt his Achilles did he do something even more serious than another ankle turn and then the replay obviously showed it was a it was a retweak of that same right ankle um so I I don't know what to expect I mean 
he he obviously was in a great amount of pain. Uh, and you know, Shams Rani reported after the game that you know he was campaigning to to get taped up and <laughs> and to go back out into the game. Um, uh, and I think the Bucks just said, you know, like, man, we we can't let you do that. Um, so as you said, uh, you know, it was good to see him standing up <laughs> and not on crutches, and at least not in a walking boot uh, in the locker room. And I, you know, we were I think we we're all looking at his foot. I was expecting his foot to like look like a pumpkin or something like that from swelling. Um, at least at the point at that at least at that time, his his foot didn't look any any different from from what I would expect it to look like. But uh, who knows, right? I mean, again, as you said, it's such a short turnaround, and he did leave the game in a walking boot, which you know again is uh, a very reasonable precautionary thing to do, uh, just to make sure that you you know put as little pressure and put as little um, to chance as you can. But as far as, you know, him being able to play and play the style that he needs to play. Right. Cause that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I guess like some guys, like, you know, if a guy's more of like a standstill shooter or something like that, like maybe you feel kind of better about playing on a really, uh, on a bum ankle, but you know, for Giannis, uh, again, it's his right ankle, you know, so as a, as a right-handed player, certainly driving, uh, you know, you would be a little more dependent on your left leg, but um, you know, we saw today, he did not shy away from driving to his left where he's taking off. Yeah. His first, his first basket was a really tough drive, jumping off his right foot to finish with his left hand. I mean, he, he drives either way. That's part of what makes him great is that ambidextrous, um, nature that he has, which involves taking off of either foot. So, uh, there's only, you know, there's only so much you can do obviously to kind of protect yourself. And, um, so I, I don't know what to say. I mean, part of me, kind of like can't believe you know part of me is just like I, I i can't picture Giannis not playing uh in an elimination game um unless you know it's just like you know he's torn all the ligaments in his ankle and he's done um and he literally can't do anything uh but then another part of me um you know just thinks about the pain that he looked to be in and it's like 48 hours later you're gonna do this again um it just seems like such a Man, I, I'm let, let me say this. I'm assuming going into game five, he's he's not going to go. And if he can go, I'm guessing he's going to be, you know, certainly limited to some extent by that. Um, so, again, you know, he's known whatever question is toughness for sure. Um, so whatever happens, you know, I think you trust Giannis to 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 do what, what he can. And um, if he can play, if there's any chance that he can play, he's probably going to go. <laughs> he's probably going to be out there playing, but, um, you know, again, I, I think that watching that injury, you know, the, uh, a lot of, I think if we all felt probably a lot of emotions, I think for me, it was, you know, sort of sealing the idea of, you know, if, if they came out and won convincingly today and Giannis was, was healthy, I think maybe I could entertain <laughs> the idea of uh, continuing to extend the series a bit. And again, not saying like, Oh, I, I, I'll entertain being the first team to come back from a three Oh deficit, but at least you entertain like, yeah, sure. Why not win game five, see what happens, you know? Um, but seeing, seeing him get injured, uh, a, obviously you thought, well, they're, they're probably not going to win this game, but even if they do, you know, okay, when is this guy going to be back or, or even remotely healthy? Um, so I, I, I definitely, uh, I'm still feeling pretty, you know, uh, fatalistic about the outcome of the series being an ultimate Miami win, but, um, we'll see. I mean, again, uh, you just cross your fingers that, that he can, that he finds a way to get back on the court and that he can be 
close to the guy that, you know, we've been seeing all season. And, um, you know, I thought the way he played today, the decisiveness and just the force with which he played, I thought was just very impressive. You know, um, he, he was just getting downhill, getting from, from very quickly, you know, less thinking, just more driving, more attacking. And, um, you know, you would not have guessed that he was a guy that, you know, was, was nursing, a uh, an ankle injury that, that almost kept him out of the game, which, you know, to me is like, if anybody's going to say like, well, should he have even played today? I mean, if he can look like he looked, then I would say clearly he, he could play. And, you know, again, uh, he has an existing injury. Of course, he's going to be more likely to, to turn it and there's that elevated risk, but, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and act like the Bucks did anything. You know, it's an elimination game. Right? <laughs> like, if he came out and looked like, and it was able to play like he was, then yeah, you know, I, I support him doing exactly what he did and, and trying to play. And obviously it's just unfortunate that, uh, that, that he, um, you know, had to watch, watch the rest of the game from the locker room. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that he obviously was, and, and this is like the one thing, like, I don't, I, you know, it's sort of those things like, if you lose in five games, let's say rather than four to the heat in the second round, those are both complete disasters, obviously for, for this Bucks team in the grand scheme of the universe. Right. Um, but again, the most important thing about this off season is Giannis's mental state and how he's feeling about the Milwaukee Bucks as a franchise. And you hope that even if this game, you know, ultimately doesn't change the tide of the season, hopefully it reiterated to him that, you know, what his teammates are about and that he can count on them and, you know, that they're not, you know, what maybe the media sort of sometimes portrays the rest of his, you know, supporting cast as, and that obviously that, you know, again, as a team, uh, you had to feel good about him at least being able to, to see that and being reminded of, you know, and I'm sure he would say it's something he didn't need to be reminded of that he believes in his guys regardless, but, um, but, you know, hopefully that, and I'm glad no blood. So talked about it. Um, you know, I think that hopefully left a, a positive impression on both Giannis as well as his teammates, the way that he, you know, supported them and he, he got up it, it, to make sure that he, that he celebrated with them when, when they got back into the locker room. Yeah. I a hundred percent thought the same thing, to be honest. Um, I mean, <laughs> not that uh, we want to read too much into this, but after everything that we've seen over the last week has all been about where's Giannis going to play next? Where's he going to? I mean, yeah, Jay Williams fucking like saying on the pregame show that he's going to be playing for Miami next season. I mean, just like the most ridiculous like, shit. What? It's just the most. Yeah, it's like what? It, I, I don't even know. Like, just the most ridiculous shit you've ever heard. So for the Bucks, you know, the other guys, you know, as a group after the game as well, all say, "Listen, we got together and said we got to win it for this guy. This guy came out there and played today. He clearly wasn't healthy, and, and the way that he was playing is just unbelievable. I mean, this guy is just such a competitor. I mean, we could we could talk about." You know, the fact that it's been a bit of a rough series for him. But the one thing you absolutely never question with Giannis is how badly he wants to win and, and how bad he wants to be out there. And and that's why, you know, I, I do think we'll see what happens with Giannis in the next game. But the one thing you need if you're playing from behind is to have belief and to have hope. You have to. If you don't, then don't even worry about it. You're eventually going to lose. But the fact that this Bucks team... In the fourth quarter, another close game. Every single one of these games has been close in the fourth quarter. And so they've had opportunities. And in this one, when you're down eight, without Giannis, to get that done for Giannis, to watch that, to watch these guys uh, get a big runoff at the end of regulation and come through for a win. I mean, you know, however it ends, we we don't know. But for now, that has to give this this group a lot of belief that uh, they did this. And they did this without Giannis and... Uh, well, obviously, we hope that he plays in the next game, but, uh, you know. Maybe. 
they didn't go out weekly. And I, I think as, as fans, uh, as people that have watched the Bucks as much as we have over the, the, the last however long it's been for every individual, you, you have to walk away and, and, and at least be proud of that. Yeah, for sure. And just a couple other random thoughts before we go. Um, talking about tactics. Uh, we haven't talked about Mike Budenholzer much, which I don't even know if we've, well, I think we've mentioned his name, but um, that's probably a good sign considering, you know, he's just been obviously, I think, understandably the target of, of you know, most of the complaints from the Bucks side here. Um, and even non-Bucks fans, I mean, you know, I would say the average NBA analyst observer has been just lighting up Mike Budenholzer, whether it's the minutes, whether it's um, just some of the tactics, the kind of weird rotations and lineups and things like that. So, um, you know, today was a bit of a reprieve, but, you know, just a couple of things that I just, I just still don't understand. Like, like, like Marvin Williams continuing to at times like play like as a, as a drop center in a small lineup, like it, it doesn't make any sense. Like Marvin has, I'm sure Marvin has like, did he do it in like element middle school or something like that? Like maybe, I don't know, but like, it's just so contrary to what, some of these guys, like especially the you know a guy like Marvin, has ever done before in his NBA career, and it, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me that you just literally just so rigidly stick to to your your zone your you know your, kind of your drop coverage there, and it's not like I mean it's not like the Bucks you know treat everybody the same. I mean, like Kyle Korver always like hedges hard on pick and rolls because and he's the only guy that does it because he's Kyle Korver because he knows that you can't really switch him. You know that. He obviously has to, you know, they're going to try to take advantage of him. So it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, if Marvin's in the game and he's playing center, just just switch it and just, you know, see if that guy, the other team can take advantage of a switch one-on-one. I mean, I don't think it can be any worse than, you know, telling Marvin to try to do a Brook Lopez impression, which clearly he's not, um, you know, gifted in, in the right ways to do. Um, and then another thing I just saw, I mean, some of the, the double teaming of guys in the post, like if Brooke Lopez is defending Bam at a bio in the post, don't double him. I mean, Bam's a great passer or, or Jimmy against like Wes Matthews. Like what, you know, like we just seen these, these, these just, it just translates into these open three point looks. And it's like, yeah, like that, that's what's going to happen, you know? And, and the bucks dominated the, the paint today, even without Giannis, which was good to see. But I mean, just some of the decision making and, and some of the trade offs just remain baffling to me that you would just do this. I mean, the, the Heat are too well coached. They're too smart to, especially with Bam and Jimmy. Those guys are too good at passers, um, and they're and they're not lethal enough as post guys. <laughs> That's the other thing too, right? Like Bam's been really good. Obviously, Jimmy's been good. But you know, if they can hit mid range jumpers or you know hook shots or whatever. Uh, I'll live with it. I, I think that's a better thing than better outcome than a wide open three pointer from one of Miami's spot up shooters who have obviously um, many of them, which have just been knocked down guys uh, so far. So anyway, that, that was my other kind of pet peeve. And, and again, got lost a little bit in the, the glow of a win, but um, you know, still just some stuff the bucks are doing. It still just kind of uh, just makes me kind of shake my head a little bit and just, you know, gives me pause that, um, they're still like not getting just some stuff that just seems really obvious. So anyway, um, although, Hey, bud, bud can at least, uh, point out that Jimmy Butler didn't play 40 minutes today. Um, so, you know, which, which has been ironic because Jimmy's been playing basically Giannis Chris minutes up until this point. 
Um, but because the Heat are winning, of course, no, nobody's, nobody's complaining that Spo is doing the same thing. John Hollinger pointed this out in the piece at The Athletic. Um, nobody's complaining that, that uh, Spo has been limiting his guys' minutes as well. Um, but again, when you, you know, to the victor, uh, you know, the, 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 whatever the, whatever the phrase you want to use, right. The, the winners write the history books or whatever, right. Like it's that, that's obviously never going to be under the microscope when a team is winning, understandably. But, um, you know, today, Jimmy, I think played under 40 minutes, even with overtime. So, um, I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine. He didn't play well today, but I'm totally fine if Spo wants to, you know, rest him more and put in Andre Iguodala for more minutes because those are guys I'm definitely a lot less afraid of Giannis went down at the 10 17 minute mark of the second quarter as we mentioned from that point onwards Chris Norton played 36 minutes and 28 seconds he only had two minutes and 49 off from that point in the second uh, in the second quarter right through to the end of overtime only sat for eight seconds in the second half that 36 and 28 minutes that he played after Giannis went down he only topped that entire minute total five times for the whole season so that gives you an idea of how much Chris Middleton played today. And uh, I, I did ask Bud about it. And I, I wouldn't say that he's, quote, put Bucks fans at ease when he said, yeah, because I, I, mean, I specifically mentioned the 35, 36-minute ceiling um, that he mentioned two days ago when, before he played 47 minutes. And he said, well, that's what you rest them for in the regular season and uh, games like this. So they're ready when you need them. And I think, uh, I think for most Bucks fans, they're just like, wait, wait a second. What, what, what the hell are you actually on about, Bud? We needed him in game three when we were also, uh, when we were about to go down to the point where we would need a historic end to the season uh, series to, uh, to keep the season alive. Uh, Middleton averaging 26.3 points, 5.8 rebounds. Seven assists in the series against Miami now. Milwaukee's offensive rating with him on the floor in 154 minutes, 113.8. In the 43 minutes he's sat, it's 93.1. So, uh, listen, Chris Middleton's going to have to play 40-plus minutes again, regardless of who plays, whether the Giannis plays or not. He's going to have to play 40-plus if the Bucs are going to stand a chance. But I'm just thankful we get to watch another Bucs game, Frank. Honestly, uh, I'm, you know, it might be torturous again. Who knows how it's actually going to go down, but uh, I'm glad we have the opportunity. Bucs didn't get swept. Exactly. Raise, raise the banner. Raise the banner <laughs> next season. Didn't get swept by the Miami Heat in the second round. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll treat next game like a one-off, right? I think that's the way I think the Bucs are, are viewing mm-hmm. it as well. You know, you just – you just focus on the next game and, you know, you get too caught up in what you have to do, you know, in the series, then it's probably easier to, you know, maybe lose focus on, on the task at hand. And, um, you know, nothing that, that pretty much the same thing you would do regardless, but when you're down three Oh, um, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta take it one step at a time. And obviously today was, um, was a step that was nice to see. And, uh, we'll see, we'll see in game five, obviously, uh, does Giannis play and how do the Bucks respond regardless, right? Whether he plays or not. Um, again, you know, we'll, we'll dream of, we'll dream of surviving another day. That's, that's pretty much, I think what the Bucks and what us as fans uh, really can only latch onto at this point. And so, um, you know, we'll, we will see, but at least we get a little bit more basketball. And uh, if you're in the U S you'll probably, you're hearing this on labor day. So hopefully you guys have a great holiday and, uh, if you are not in the U.S., then enjoy your Monday. <laughs> enjoy your Monday. <laughs> well, my Monday is nearly over. But uh, just to your point, 3-2 sounds a lot better than 3-1. 
And I think, again, as you said, you separate this into three single games and, and hope for the best. But uh, the Bucks keep the season alive. Chris Milton, obviously huge in this one. It was really fun to see him perform the way he did. 118-115 in overtime. The Bucks are practicing. They've already announced there's going to be a, a media availability after that practice. So we'll have an update on Giannis. We'll have an update on everything else that goes on with this team in the aftermath of this game. So listen to tomorrow's pod. We'll be able to talk about game five. A little bit there, and we'll all run through that. We've ran pretty long here, Frank, but we haven't had a win for a while. So we had to extend this podcast a little bit, but appreciate you joining me so late on a Sunday night. But for Frank and myself, Kane Pittman, we will speak to you tomorrow. The season is still on. We've got Game 5 to get ready for. Stay safe, and we'll speak to you guys next time.